let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you, Father, for your love, your grace, the blessings in our life. You're so good to us. Thank you, Father, for our church. We just pray, Father, you'd meet with us here today. Pray you'd be with the Sunday school hour and each teacher. Pray, Father, that you would uh, just bless your word as it's taught this morning. We pray, Father, then you'd be with our song service, our choir, and, Father, that you would uh, bless our pastor when he stands in the pulpit. We just pray, Father, you speak to our hearts this morning, and may your will be done in our lives. Pray, Father, you bless this offering, and we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, young lady. I appreciate it. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Thanks for coming back. That's good. That's always encouraging to the teacher when the students show back up at the, at the classroom. Anyway, Patty and I just came back from a 3,500-mile trip over the last six days. That was a lot of driving, a lot of time for thinking about things, a lot of time for handing out tracks, all kinds of different things. Uh, Brother Wayne Mask, you'll be happy to know that I drove through a blizzard. That was encouraging to me. I loved every second of it, and I'm glad I'm out of it. So, what's that? We, we did. Yes, huh? Yep. We, <laughs> it was cold, and it was snowy, and it was, I was just in heaven. But I'll tell you, you know what? I'm kind of maybe leaning a little more towards uh, the warmer weather down here in Texas. And, and uh, I know we got home last night. And it wasn't real late or anything, but uh, um, I think it was 71 degrees or something. And I says, man, it's hot out here. <laughs> so anyway, we have, some, we have some very nice weather down here in Texas. I will, I will uh, succumb to that notion. Anyways, how'd y'all do this past week handing out tracts, witnessing to people, leading people to Christ? I've seen one hand go up. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, two hands. Look at there. Yeah. How many did you do? About 10. About 10. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Patty and I were talking about that. As a matter of fact, we, we were getting some text messages about that and everything. And, and uh, she says, well, there'll be a lot of people that will be able to raise their hand up because of the, because of the, uh, the uh, outreach program there. How did, how did all that go? What, can you tell me a little bit about it? Linda, would you... It, Okay. Oh, good. That, 
That's personal evangelism. Now, Esther, how did you do with your, you raised your hand up. What, what did you do? Okay, right. So I just took my tracks with me and I just went out and, and I sold about 20 candy bars and I handed out about 10 tracks. Wow. And, and uh, of course, everybody told me that they knew the Lord and, and that they had their own church and everything. <coughs> everything but, yeah. All right, praise God. Yeah, That's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. That's, that's good. That's encouraging to hear that. Yeah, the kids around town, they know this is the Lego church. And then most recently, it's a dinosaur church, right? So there's those outreach things, they, they work. There's no question about that. And people remember about what goes on in these churches. And, and so you, you have no idea till the end of all of this what any of this stuff is actually is actually doing. So, um, anybody else have any stories, fun stuff to tell about witnessing? I've had a couple of people out here handing things out. How many people went to the outreach? A lot of people there. Did you guys hand out stuff over there, or, or oh, no? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Praise, and it's not that hard, is? No. Okay. Oh, it worked great. The Lord was clean. Yeah. <laughs> we had hot dogs. Almost, we gave out almost 600 hot dogs. Wow, is that right? Yeah. Did you wrap each of those in a tract? <laughs> no, but we gave a lot of tracts with them. And, uh, yeah. We had little packages we did put them in. That That's great. Okay. Very cool. Well, now we're sorry that we, we missed that. We were on that trip, like I say, and we just couldn't, couldn't do it. So on, my, on one of my main missions on that trip was to witness to my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law up there in upstate New York. Mother-in-law got very sick and, and what have you, and she kind of maybe one day there, it kind of felt like she was on her deathbed maybe a little bit or something, and her, uh, Patty's sister, she's not really into any of this religious stuff or any. So I thought, well, this will be a good opportunity to, uh, to witness to these folks and everything. And I would like to tell you that I did a great job of witnessing, and boy, it was all, you know, I was just all on top of this, handing out stuff, until, but I completely blew it. I don't think I, I, don't think I witnessed to them at all while, while we were there. I mean, it was just... It was just one of these things. Now, I know that that gives you a lot of confidence in the guy teaching the Sunday school about witnessing, right? Yeah, but there was, Satan just used everything that he could do to keep the conversation from even basically pointing down that direction. And so those are things that you'll run into and things that will, will uh, you know, no matter how often you do this or how comfortable you are with it, there will be things that will come up where you're just... Uh, you know, it just doesn't work out like it's supposed to. Now that is actually a very lousy excuse, and, and we'll talk about all of those sort of things as we get into this uh, program a little bit further. 
one of the things that we're, as we get, we're, we're not even done with the introduction yet to this whole thing, and we're on week three already. So this is supposed to be 12 to 15 weeks, and I think we'll probably run out to at least 15 weeks of, of going through this stuff. But uh, um, we'll talk about all those things that can get in the way and how to answer them and how to work your way around them and stuff by people that are way, way more skilled at this than, than I am. But uh, again, I want to emphasize the fact that this is not, this is not a trade that we're in here. You, do, you don't go out and learn an apprenticeship and all this stuff to learn how to witness to people. It is primarily getting your confidence up where you can get started at it and then letting the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do in your life to, uh, to witness to folks here and everything. So how about any prayer requests? Do we have anybody needs anything prayed about? We try to keep the list pretty well up to date. And, and uh, so if anybody had anything particularly that they wanted prayed about, Brenda? I'm going back to work Tuesday. You're going back to work. Okay, and what would you want us to pray that you don't have to go back to work? <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. We'll certainly pray about that and put it on the list. Anybody else have anything off the top of your head there, Steve? Okay. Another doctor, see if he can do any good for you. And so, sir, I owe you an apology because I had three days in a row that I meant to call you up on my cell phone and see how you were doing and never got around to ever doing it. And we sat in that, I don't know how many hours we were in that car, 3,500 miles divided by 60 average maybe, if we were, it, it was a long time. And um, I'm really sorry I didn't get, get to holler at you. So it sounds like you're still in the, going to doctors and looking into stuff, that is the most miserable condition that a person can be in is having to see doctors all the time. All right. What's that now? Reba McKeever. Reba McKeever, okay, surgery tomorrow. All righty. Anybody else? All right, well, let's go ahead and we'll get started with a word of prayer here. Father, thank you for the time that you've set aside this morning here for us to study your word and to look into it. And uh, Lord, I just uh, give you thanks and praise for everything that you do for us, the provisions that you make in our life, the, the thoughtfulness and your loving kindness and the way you handle things with people that are, are like us and in a lot of cases not very mindful of you, but we rely on you heavily. And, so we have these prayer requests. We think about Brenda here this morning. She's getting ready to go back to work, Lord. We just ask that you would comfort her, relieve this pain that she might have, that she would be able to do her job effectively and that there wouldn't be too much issue or any issue at all about this, uh, about this pain. And then we think about Brother Steve Irwin here this morning. Um, he's got another doctor appointment, and hopefully this person, prayerfully, this person will be able to figure out something that's wrong with this issue that he has with his lungs and his breath and what have you, Lord. And so we just ask that you would have a hand of healing on that. And then um, Reba McKeever and her surgery tomorrow, we'd ask that there would be your hand guiding the surgeons and, and that uh, there would be a favorable outcome for whatever this surgery is that she's going to have here, Lord, that 
We always say that you're the great physician and that you can heal these things. And Lord, maybe just a miraculous healing would be in order here and, and that we would be careful to give you the thanks and the praise for anything that goes on there with that. We ask you now to bless the, the hour, bless the service, bless the other Sunday schools this morning, Lord. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So in an effort to have class participation, we've handed out the little sheets there with the blanks on them and stuff, and I'll try to keep that all straight while we're, while we're going through this. But before we get started, I want to read to you a little story here that was handed to me this morning by Esther Bilby, and um, this is really cool stuff. So along the lines of class participation, I love this kind of stuff, by the way. When you guys are out there and you're looking for things to read and what have you, or you see something and and you think it might be good for the Sunday school class, then please bring it in and I'll be happy to read about it and comment about it or, or what have you. And the kind of the interesting thing about this with Esther was she handed me this and it says, but you don't have to read it to anybody. Hmm, okay, well, <laughs> we wanna read this kind of stuff. This is an absolutely beautiful story. This is just, what's that now? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just picking on you a little bit, Esther. Um, I never have a plan. This, I, I have an outline, but these things, just like, just like I told Patty this morning, she says, I don't even know if you're going to get to this. And I says, I'm going to see what the Holy Spirit does with me because really, folks, I come up here and I have these grandiose ideas about what I'm going to do. And then I get started and I start talking about stuff that I had no idea that God was going to put on my heart to speak about it. Um, you know, you can, you can have all these plans in the world and then you get up here and God just changes his mind about what he wants you to, to say. Um, quite frankly, it's, it's very interesting. I've taught lots and lots of teaching, but I've, I've rarely, it's on very limited basis that I've taught a group in a church like this and everything. And so sometimes what I do up here is based strictly on the looks on your faces, believe it or not. Um, you, you get, you really, you get up here and you start doing this stuff. Gary, you know, you sing songs, you comment occasionally about, you know, lift your voice up to the Lord and all that stuff. I see different people in here, and if I look like I'm aggravating somebody, I might go a little bit different. Uh, sometimes I, I adjust, I try to keep the thing humorous and all that kind of stuff, but it's just a matter of what God lays on my heart here. So this, though... As soon as you handed me this and I seen it, I thought I'm gonna, I need to read this. This is, this is just a beautiful thing about witnessing and somebody's devotion to it and, and somebody's tenacity with it and everything. So this is a story about a fellow named John Harper. Has anybody heard of that, that person, that man? He was a, kind of a good evangelist and, and what have you here. Uh, 29 May 1872 was when he was born. He died on 15 April of 1912. He was a Scottish Baptist pastor who died in the sinking of the Titanic. This, was a, this is a story about the Titanic. Everybody knows that story, right? We all know the story. It says the Titanic British passenger liner struck an iceberg off of Newfoundland on the night of April 14th through the 15th, 1912, and sank. That's just part of the story, however. That is not widely known. All right. One of the passengers on the Titanic was a godly pastor from Scotland by the name of John Harper. Harper had recently spent three months ministering at the Moody Church in Chicago, during which time the church had experienced one of the most wonderful revivals in its history. 
He had not been back in Britain long when he, asked, when he was asked to return to his ministry. He quickly made arrangements for himself and his six-year-old daughter, Nana, to travel back to America aboard the Lusitania. However, he decided to delay their departure for one week so that they could sail on the new ship, the Titanic, which was about to make its maiden voyage. Now that's, that's an interesting thing there. Put it off for a week because we want to ride on this new boat here and look at the way God, we, we talked here a little bit ago, how God lets some things into our lives that we look at it and we go, what in the world is he doing that for? And, and so here's a case right here. This man could have gone back and forth on this other boat without any trouble probably, even though I think later on that Lusitania got sank. Didn't it get, something happened to it. It was involved with the war, but I don't remember. Anyway, he wanted to ride on this boat. On, sa on Sunday, the 14th of April, 1912, the day when the iceberg was struck, the weather was fine, the sea calm. Harper attended to church service for the passengers. His niece reported that later that afternoon she saw her uncle speaking individually to people about their souls. It seemed he was in the habit of seeking out the lost sheep wherever he went. That's the habit we want to get into. Seek them out. You get to where you just, it's like a, it's like a secondary radar in your head when you start doing this and you, you really can, can spot these people. The Titanic struck the iceberg at 11.40 p.m. on April 14, 1912. As the call was issued for the passengers to vacate their cabins, Harper wrapped his daughter in a blanket, told her that she would see him again one day, and passed her to one of the crewmen. After watching her safely board one of the lifeboats, he removed his life jacket and gave it to one of the other passengers. One survivor distinctly remembered hearing him shout, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Harper knew that the believers were ready to die, but the unsaved were not ready. Harper then ran along the decks, pleading with people to turn to Christ, and with the ship sinking, he called upon the Titanic's orchestra to play, Nearer, my God, to thee. Gathering people around him on deck, he then knelt down and with holy joy in his face raised his arms in prayer. As the ship began to lurch, he jumped into the icy waters and swam frantically to all he could reach, beseeching them to turn to the Lord Jesus and be saved. Finally, as hypothermia set in, John Harper sank beneath the waters and passed into the Lord's presence. He was 39 years old. Now listen, here's the rest of this story. This is like a Paul Harvey, the rest of the story deal, right? Four years later, a young Scotsman by the name of Aguila Webb stood up in a meeting in Hamilton, Canada, and gave the following testimony. I am a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a spar that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper of Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me, Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, I'm not. He replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away, but strange to say it brought him back a little later. And he said, are you saved now? The man said, no, I said, I cannot honestly say that I am. He said again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And shortly after, he went down, and there alone in the night, and with two miles of water under me, I believed. And then he goes on to say, I'm John, John Harper's last convert. So this guy swimming around out there with hypothermia sending in is telling people about Jesus Christ. 
Now, folks, that's a convicting thing because I was up there in front of my mother-in-law, who is, quite frankly, a very intimidating person to me. And um, we're exactly 20 years separated in age, exactly, to the day. We share the same birthday and everything. But I didn't have hypothermia. I wasn't drifting around on a piece of the wooden ship out there in a cold North Atlantic Ocean. And I did not change the circumstance that I was in to allow a witness to my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law. That's actually pretty pathetic. But it is something to think about. It's, a, it's an encouraging thing when you start thinking about how easy we have it, really. You know, one of the things, uh, I, I guess, uh, Lynn, it, it might have been you that said that between you and Esther. Somebody said, yeah, it was easy. You know, most of the people said they already knew the Lord. We, we really do have it easy around here in Texas. You know, this area that we're in, you, most of the people that you talk to, they're going to say that they're already believers. Then you might probe just a little bit further and ask them about where they go to church and stuff. And then maybe uh, you might even ask them what they believe in and see if really they're putting their faith and trust in Jesus alone as their, as their Savior. But um, those things can all just be guided by the Holy Spirit when it comes time to, to do it. Anyway, here's what this article goes on to say. Apparently, God wanted Webb's amazing testimony to be shared because only seven people who were plucked from the icy water that night to join the survivors in the lifeboat. Webb was one of them. In the Hollywood movie of the Titanic, nothing was said about John Harper, but he was truly one of the great heroes of the Titanic. In the face of death and drowning, he was concerned about the souls of men. Goes on to say here, a little biography here maybe or something. John Harper was but one of 1,360 men who bravely died on the Titanic, many of them giving up their lives so that women and children could be saved. Consider the following. There were over 1,500 who perished in those icy waters that fateful night, 1912. Of the women and children, 70% were saved. 374 saved, 157 died. One of the men, only 20% were saved, 332 saved, 1,360 died. Why did so many men die and so few women and children? That was a day when most acted like men. Captain Smith's orders were to place women and children in lifeboats with just a few men chosen to be able rowers. The order was men and women first. To carry out this order required courage and sacrifice. The men acted in the spirit of love. They were willing to give of themselves and even sacrifice their own lives for the sake of others. That was a day and age it was back then, folks. Boy, nowadays, you know, I remember up at the men's advance thing here, I think it was Jonathan Pyle uh, preaching that morning. And maybe it was two men's advances ago, I, I don't remember now. But he was talking about he came up a, upon a car accident. A guy was down inside this waterway, basically drowning. The car was filling up with water. And everybody was standing there, all these men standing there just watching this happen. And Jonathan said, yeah, I walked by and told a guy here, hold my cell phone for me and all this stuff. He went down there and got this guy out of the, out of the water. And that was a bunch of people sitting here. It's just a different day and age. You know, men, we need to be men, and we need to, we need to help out when it's time to help out. And, uh, and that's the way it was back, back then. Yes. Women and children first get on the lifeboat. That Titanic, you know, I don't know all the, all the necessarily the history about it and everything, but I do know this. When you're hauling a bunch of passengers around, there are some requirements that you have enough stuff to take care of the passengers if something happens, you know. I know that from my profession. And so... Um, 
Anyway, this Titanic, I think it only had maybe a quarter of the lifeboats or something that it was supposed to have because it was unsinkable. As a matter of fact, the engineer that, that uh, uh, talked about that boat said, God can't even sink this boat. Boy, that's the wrong thing to say. God can sink anything he wants to sink. And all he needed was an iceberg out there. The whole story about how that all happened and everything was, was absolutely amazing. I had not heard this story. This was, I, I just really appreciate you bringing this in. It was not the survival of the fittest. The men made sure that the weakest survived. Captain Smith led the way and went down with the ship along with more than 1,300 other brave men. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, act like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity, love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. 100 years later, 2012, another ship sank, which was much larger than the Titanic. Yeah, you guys will remember this. I, to I talked about this. This was the Italian cruise vessel Concordia. Thankfully, only 32 lives were lost. In this case, the captain gave a far different order by his own example. Every man for himself. Do you guys remember me talking about that? That was early on in our last Sunday school series was talking about how just absolute. This captain of this boat here, he ended up in prison. I think that man is still in, in prison. It was, it was absolutely pathetic. Every man for himself. The captain himself abandoned the ship, leaving many still on board. He was later convicted of manslaughter. What a lesson. It, it, it was once women and children first. Now it's me first. Selfishness. Not sacrifice is the sad norm of our day. May we return to the biblical norm because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John 3.16, may God raise up such men. And then there's a, uh, there's a whole DVD series that you can get where it talks about this, this Titanic and the lessons in manliness, you know. It's just a real shame that, uh, that those kind of things happen in this day and age, but I'm happy they didn't happen in that day and age. And there's another soul in heaven because John Harper went over to this man on two different occasions and asked him, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Hallelujah. All right, so let's recap from where we were at here last week. We talked about how we were doing with the, uh, with the witnessing. We talked about this study by the Church Answers team. The answer overall in North America is that the witnessing part of the thing doesn't really go all that good. Personal evangelism is not something that's high on anybody's priority list here. And so we talked about the fact that only one person is reached for, for Christ in every 19 people in attendance. And then there was a little math there that talked about how most of the time only half the people show up to church anyway. And so really just about for, for every 38 people, mathematically, statistically, you go through for every 38 people in a church, one person will be reached for Christ in that church in, per, per year. So that's not very good church growth um, when you consider that one time the preaching got done and 3,000 joined the church that afternoon, right? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. So anyways, um, they, they talked about this sort of thing here, and we talked about the, the numbers and how kind of going through and looking at the mathematics on this stuff can be a little bit boring and tedious sometimes. But then you can always boil it down to a, to a common denominator, right? We all learned how to do fractions and all that stuff when we were in school, so you get to the common denominator. And then for everybody else in the class, it was easy for me. I still didn't get the answer right, but whatever. The, um, uh, it boils down to this. Most church members never share their faith. It's just, a, it's just an odd thing. We did a little survey here and we looked into it 
And we were actually kind of middle in the road here in this church about how we go about doing that stuff. And, but Jesus himself actually spoke about this notion of personal evangelism. And here's what it says in Matthew 9, 36 through 30, 38. It says this right here. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, listen here, and it's still this way today, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus is talking about evangelism here. He's talking about personal evangelism. And that right there should be the, if you got the handout, if everybody got the handout, that should be one of the first little blanks. Everybody ask about blanks and writing stuff down and everything. So hopefully that will give you a, a, a way that maybe you can reminisce about some of this stuff, read through it, kind of spark, spark some memory while you're looking into the lesson here. So Jesus himself was talking about this evangelism. We have, right now in our day and age, there's a great opportunity You've got lots and lots of ability to witness to people. We have stuff going on on this planet right now that will tend to spark conversations about the Bible and what in the world is going on, what's going on with Israel over there, what's going on in the Middle East. All these different things can be a great conversation starter. Here's the other thing that we have coming up right now and why this, why this lesson in personal evangelism is easy to do right now. We are coming into Thanksgiving and the Christmas season. Man, there's, you gotta really run into a grumpy old man to, to, to say something about Christmas and the guy not just be happy about it, you know? So, the, you know, we're coming into over the next two months, there's gonna be so many opportunities to sit down and, and witness to people, tell people about Jesus, hand out gospel tract. Everybody wants to come to, even Catholic folks go to church two times a year, right? Easter and, Easter and Christmas, they're all over that and everything. I remember growing up the midnight mass and going to that. It was a big deal in our family to get to do that and everything. And, and so you have great opportunity coming up. So the, the lesson assignments now, they're, they're, I told you, they're going to get harder as we, as we go. It's not going to be just handing out tracts. It's going to be, I want you to, you know, this week, Go witness to somebody. Go find a stranger somewhere and just ask them. Just come right out and say, hey, anybody ever tell you about Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Or ask them that question while you're just in a conversation. about. Maybe it's a, a religious conversation that you're having and they go to a different church or they go to you know, one of the denominational churches or something. You can very easily ask a, a question about, yep, I, I get all that. You're a great church member and all that stuff. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Because really that's what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do. It's a great, great way to do it. So you have a, a great opportunity here coming up. And then talk about job security. Boy, there's nobody to do the work. <laughs> there's nobody out there that witnesses that much. There's no workers. Jesus said that himself. The laborers are few. So we have a, we have a great opportunity here because there's not anybody to fill the positions right now. And it's a great position to, to fill. The, uh, the paycheck on earth here in monetary funds is zero. You, you don't get it. And that's the way you want it to be because if you get your reward here, you're not going to have it in heaven. But the, the, the paycheck later on is amazing. 
and it's immense, and you can't put a price tag on it because there's no, there's no value to it other than human souls, and there's a lot of value in that. There was so much value that Jesus put his life down on a cross for that and rose from the dead and, and all this, and everybody knows that, that story, right? So a common question during their church answer survey was this right here. There were a couple common questions. Why isn't our church growing? Very easy. No witnessing. You're not going to grow the church if you're not telling people about the church, telling people about Jesus, telling people their need of going to the church. I kind of wrote my notes here. You know, when Brookshire's over here is having a, a sale, they don't keep it a secret. They send out a bunch of flyers and ads and the news, you know, in your mailbox and all this kind of stuff. Come over here. I love their, by the way, I love their buy one, get the other one for a penny. That's really pretty cool. I hadn't seen that in a long, long time. And uh, I spend a lot of pennies over at Brookshire's when I see those things around there. But you got to tell people about what's going on. If you want to sell our church, you got to tell people about what all the amazing things that are going on over in this church here. Um, if you want to tell people about Jesus, you got to tell them about all the amazing things that Jesus does. So I mentioned last week that part of the part of the witnessing, if you're out of lack for work, just tell people your testimony. Just tell people, here's what Jesus Christ has done for me and my life, and uh, and that right there is pretty good witnessing for the for the most part. Here was their other question or another question they had. Why aren't we reaching people for Christ? And the answer to that question is because you're not trying to reach people for Christ. There has to be an effort here to do it. You, you, can, you, can have, um, you, you can put a bumper sticker on your car if you see those things. I've seen one here the other day, and I was kind of embarrassed. I, I take a lot of pride in my driving. I try to actually do it right and everything and follow the rules and everything. So I'm, I'm driving right up on this person, and I'm, I'm reading this thing because i seen it had the word Jesus in it. I wanted to read this thing, and it says, are you following Jesus this close? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that, really, that really didn't have anything to do with Jesus. It had to do with how, what a lousy driver I am. So I backed way off and said, okay, I, I, I get it. That person may not even know Jesus as their Savior. They're, they're probably taking a, a gouge at, at uh, Christians. But, but whatever, I did see that bumper. So you can have one of those bumper stickers on your thing. And then when you're rear-ended, what a great opportunity to, to witness to somebody. You can talk about Jesus while the, while the police are trying to sort the whole mess out. The most important message in the world is telling about Jesus and salvation. We could all agree on that, right? That really is the most important thing that we can do out here is telling people about Christ. But churches are silent on the topic. Satan loves us. There's another fill in the blank. Satan, his goal is to increase the population of hell. And you know the Bible even talks about that. It says the, the road that leads to that path, you know, that path is wide, and there's a whole bunch of people on it. The road that leads to righteousness and salvation and knowing Christ as your Savior, it's a narrow road. There's very few people that find that path. There'll be a lot more people that find it if we just go out there and tell people about it. You know, it really and truly is a, an easy thing to do giving a circumstance that you might be in. All right. Anybody have any comments, questions, concerns about any of this stuff that we've talked about up to this point? I think it's the first two where you have a lot of great Okay. When, so I have, I have explicit instructions about this. 
I'm not supposed to say anything when, when I get that, that I'm supposed to refer you to Miss Patty Noyes. She'll be happy to, to tell you what the answers to those things. <laughs> yeah, I'll be hearing about that the rest of the afternoon, probably. <laughs> Anyways, if not, we'll, we'll get you straightened out on the questions there, Steve. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep moving on here. So the next one here is we're going to talk about this evangelism and, and what it is, kind of a definition. It is spiritual warfare. We live, we've always sat around and says, oh yeah, that thing over there is evil or that person is no good or man, what happened there in the headlines, that was really a bad thing or what, what have you. Nowadays, I am very careful when I talk to people about the condition of planet Earth right now that I tell them it is a battle of good versus evil. There are things here that are just demonic that go on on this planet. Amen. The wars, the abortion, the crime rates, the different things. The, the Bible says that we don't wrestle against this flesh and blood sort of stuff. It's all about all these principalities. It's about the rules and the regulations and the people that are in leadership. The interesting thing about it is God doesn't tell us that we're supposed to go and overthrow the leadership, right? What he does say is that we're supposed to operate under their authority until it gets to be such a time that they're going against God's authority. And then the Bible says we ought to believe God rather than men, obey God rather than men. But there are some things that go on nowadays that you look at it and you just say, that is not godly, I can't abide by that rule and regulation. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to change my, if I have to go to jail or if I have to be penalized for it or, or whatever, I'm going to follow what God says to, to do is my conscious and my um, knowledge of the scripture and how the Holy Spirit leads me in these things, right? Satan loves it. Evangelism is a spiritual warfare. The apostle Paul wrote, resist the enemy. So he, he comes right out and says, hey, look, this is an enemy. We're, we've got a battle going on here. That enemy doesn't, doesn't wear a uniform. You know, one of the things that they say is a big problem in this, these wars that we fight over in Afghanistan and all these different things is you don't have, okay, here's the blue team and here's the red team. Blue team, you kill the red team and vice versa. And all. You don't have that. You don't, and, and we don't have that with our spiritual warfare either here. You don't know who the enemy is. The Bible says that Satan goes around looking who he's going to devour, right? But you don't know if it's your next door neighbor. You don't know if it's the person that you're working for. You don't even know if it's me. See, you can stand up in these classes and, and teach Sunday schools and all that kind of stuff. And if a, a wolf in sheep's clothing comes into a fold, now you can have trouble. And that we talked about that, being vigilant about these things that go on in our church here. Invite all the people you want, but when we start seeing people coming in here and they're all of a sudden, well, I don't think that King James Bible is really the one you want to be using. You know, I got my new Bible here. Those people, we need to squelch them down and we need to run them out of the church. Or, or, or better, we need to show them the right way and get them to come to know Christ as their Savior and operate with the right documentation and everything, right? So anyway, resist the enemy. We are on a battlefield to win human hearts for the Lord. It's very careful to say that, too, human hearts for the Lord. It's easy to win a, a human mind to the Lord. That's real easy. But the difference between your mind and your heart, you know, they say, you know, you can, you can miss heaven by 12 inches or something, right? And, and so 
you got to have people's hearts changed in one for this, for this thing. All right. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Here it's going to tell you how to, how to work on this a little bit. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand and to stand firm on our faith here. Keep these things in mind here. Our enemy is evil, period. You got to be vigilant for that. You can't put a name on it. You can't say, oh yeah, that's the, uh, that's the United States Army or the evil people or any of this. You can't put a name on these things. It's evil and it does not have a name. It doesn't even have a form. It doesn't have anything. I mean, it talks all kinds of different things about how these things come up. But Satan is trying to get to you. And anything he can do to keep us from preaching the gospel, to keep us from witnessing to people, to keep anything that has to do with leading people to Christ, that, that's, his, that's his deal. And he, he loves it. When we are witnesses for Christ, we have the power of God behind us and the full armor of God to protect us. We've got everything we need in the Bible to protect us, to give us witness, to guide us. And more importantly, we have the, the Holy Spirit to help out with these things. When we're silent, make excuses for not talking about Jesus. In other words, not evangelizing. We are letting Satan have his way. And we don't want to do that. Why well, let Satan have his way with my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law the other day? He, you, you guys, I've, I've told you that I'm probably mostly, I think Pastor Pugh kind of says this too, I'm a pretty shy guy. I don't, it's, it's nerve-wracking for me to come up here and stand in front of everybody and talk about all this. But usually when I'm one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not very shy. I can, I can talk up a storm and... and well, but I'll tell you what, I didn't hardly have anything to say to my in-laws there the other day. That was weird. It was an odd thing for me to have that happen. Hadn't happened in a long, long time, but Satan did not want me to, to have an edge there. So I'm going to sit down at my typewriter and write him a letter. <laughs> That'll be good. It'll get lost in the mail probably. Anyway, we're letting Satan have his way. Satan is very comfortable with a silent, self-absorbed church. Evangelism is the greatest threat to Satan in his dominion. Reminder, we do have the God-ordained responsibility to be witnesses for Christ. Now, I, I know that I have talked about this issue of responsibility several times, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep talking about that. I, I know in my, in my own life, the responsibility about different things is convicting. It drives you to do things that you might not otherwise do. You know, we have, a, um, we have a responsibility to pay taxes, right? Everybody hates that. Is there anybody in here that likes paying taxes? Just by a show of hand, let's, let me see anybody that likes paying taxes, all right? But God says we're supposed to do that. Render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's, render unto God the things that are God's and what have you. But, but here's what I do know about, about taxes and my dislike for them. 
We have a responsibility for it. And we also have a responsibility in our lives, anyway, the way Patty and I do things, we have a responsibility for paying as little of that as we possibly can. And so it drives me to the responsibility of it and the fact we have to do it drives me towards knowing more and more stuff about it. What you can deduct, what you can do with this. We, we, it's actually, it's pretty pathetic in America nowadays. People run businesses and how they do a lot of things based on what the tax code says. I'm pretty certain the founding fathers are probably turning over in their graves about that. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that that does drive decisions that you make. And so we have a responsibility to it. We have a responsibility. Jesus himself talks about this whole issue about evangelizing. Go tell people about me. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Go tell people about Jesus Christ. So along with that responsibility, it ought to convict you. It ought to, it ought to make you want to have a desire to learn more about telling people about Jesus and how to go about doing it and prayerfully considering uh, the job that you have at hand here. So. There is, well, I'm just about out of time here again. So I'm not going to get started with this next, with this next thing because it's, a, it's kind of a long, drawn-out uh, story here that I wanted to tell you all a little bit about here. And, and we'll start on that next week, which will be, what, the 12th, Sunday the 12th. So 11, 12. All right, anybody have any questions, comments, concerns, great stories to tell? Nothing like that? All right. Steve, you'll see Patty afterwards, or she'll see you afterwards to get. Anybody else have any questions about any blanks that I can direct my wife to there? <laughs> Same two that he has, huh? Well, there you go, honey. You got your work cut out for you. All right, folks. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll just wrap it up here a couple minutes early today. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us here. We thank you for the hour that we were able to spend studying your word here. We'd ask that you'd be with the pastor this morning as he comes before us and brings us a message. Help us to have an open heart and an open mind, Lord, and find application in all this stuff that we've studied here this morning. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.